Hi, so I am literally in the waiting room, but I kind of stepped outside a little bit because you're not supposed to be using your phone while you're in your doctor's office. So this show talks about the importance of having a nurse practitioner on your team. And I'll tell you why, because having a nurse practitioner on your team, on your healthcare team, uh, it's a great idea for several reasons. Number one, um, they can they are highly trained professionals. They have advanced degrees in nursing. Um, another one of the key benefits that I love is their accessibility to healthcare. So, you know, if you have a non-life-threatening uh, illness, usually they can see you the same day or the next day. And they provide a crucial role in preventive care. So today, I'm going to talk to my nurse practitioner, Cordelia Haynes. She is a CRNP, which is Certified Nurse, Certified Registered Nurse Practitioner. And she is going to tell us what we, 45 and over, 50 and over, need to start incorporating and doing as part of preventive health. Because you Bamas know, y'all out here thinking that y'all healthy, you know, I was telling her that, you know, we are, we get scared at the littlest things. If we hit something, if we hit our head, oh God, I have brain injury. If we fall, oh my God, I'll never walk again. If my chest hurts from eating too much pizza, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. It, it, you, you know, that's what you do. I do that. If I wake up and I have a heart, like serious heartburn, I automatically go to the darkest part of my brain oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. Let me take some aspirin. So we have not, we have got to stop and we have to incorporate some type of preventive care. So we're talking with Cordelia Haynes on this episode of It Starts Now. But guess what? You know what I always say. It starts now. I always thought that, um, you know, when I got 50 plus that, um, I was going to be prepared. I'm going to throw that out there. I thought that everything that was associated with getting older, becoming 50 plus, I mean, you know, of course, 40 plus, uh, you know, you're still living in that fast lane. At least I was. I was still living in the, I can eat French fries all day, every day. And now that it's 50 plus, I, I got some stuff that I need to talk to about what's going on? What is the changes? What we need to start doing? And I have the pleasure of welcoming Cordelia Haynes. She is a CRNP. What does that mean? Certified Registered Nurse Practitioner. And a lot of people are turning to their nurse practitioners because, not because they don't want to go to their doctors. I mean, I love my doctors still, but a nurse practitioner is more readily available, I guess I can say that, but they offer more of a, of a, a bedside, giving you more information because, you know, everybody is busy. We want to get all the information. So I'm going to welcome Cordelia Haynes to the broadcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I, one of the things that I guess, and I, I think we, before we were talking, um, before we got we started recording, I was telling you that I was at brunch and a friend of mine, we were both talking about how we love our MPs, our nurse practitioners. And I wanted you to, to explain what is the role of a nurse practitioner in primary care? So good question. Um, so generally a nurse practitioner started off as a registered nurse, whether they did bedside nursing in the hospital or at a, 
uh, office. Um, and generally, as a registered nurse, we um, follow the orders of the provider that we're working with. Um, so they tell us to give a med, they tell us to watch a patient, educate, educate a patient. We certainly do that. And we, you know, that's all we did. And we were very good at what we did. We intervened um, when we saw that life uh, was changing, maybe their health was changing. We can intervene medically and then look to um, a physician um, or a provider to give additional care. What happens is that RN then goes back to school to get her master's and that education gives them, and they passed a, a certification um, board exam, which gives them now the capability to provide, become a provider and now be the one dispensing and giving, not so much orders, but kind of leading the care. And so that's the difference between an RN and a certified nurse practitioner. They've then stepped up in the master or um, a doctorate degree to become a provider and dispense medications, uh, provide primary care. I think what is addition to that is because they've had that um, period of time where they gave that bedside care, that teaching element, that one-on-one -on -one with patients, that's kind of in their DNA. And so even though we transitioned to primary care, writing orders, meeting, um, in that 15 minute or half an hour slot when you come see your provider, that kind of is part of our, our DNA. We want to sit down and kind of teach you why this is happening and what you can do to prevent that. It doesn't really go away once we kind of advance our practice. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, and, and I'm so glad you said that because when I first started embracing this, because of course, when you, you know, you, you go to your primary care physician or whoever, and they say, okay, well, we're going to give you this person. When I first, when it first happened three years ago, I, I said, oh, so I can't see a doctor. And they go, I, they said, no, you're going to see, you know, this person. And then I said, okay, so will this person be able to know this and that, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm not taking, again, I'm not taking anything away from um, doctors, physicians or whatever, but I felt so much better being in the room with this person because she taught me so many things and she just kept asking me questions. She says, is there anything else you need to know? It did, is there anything that's going on? You know, do you have this? Do you have that? Things that I would not even thought of asking. And I love that part of it. Oh, well, that makes me feel good to hear. And um, again, I, I, I just think that I noticed that with a lot of nurse practitioners, that's really part of our, how we went to school initially as an RN and then making that transition. It just didn't go away. It just kind of came, continued to be a part of our practice. So, so what are the advantages of seeking a, a, a nurse practitioner compared to other healthcare providers? What, what's some of the advantages? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, I think to kind of supplement your question is, why are we seeing so many more nurse practitioners, specifically in primary care? Mm -hmm. it, and a lot of that was, it actually started way back um, when President um, Barack Obama, when he was president, former president, president, started the Affordable Care Act. And what he did is he funded money to help supplement the education of nurse practitioners, because ironically, these were the providers that were wanting to go to rural areas, to areas that physicians just did not want to go to, to provide primary care. Um, and so by doing that, a lot of the providers, the MDs, realized, look, 
I can probably, you know, make a little bit more income by becoming specialists. So now a lot of uh, physicians, MDs, um, are doing more specialty care, cardiac, um, podiatry, vascular, kidney care, um, neuro, neurologist. Um, although you do see some nurse practitioners specializing, most of the time MDs are in that role. And so there are, of course, MDs in primary care, but just certainly not as many as there were 5, 10, 15 years ago. And as a result of the Affordable Care Act, more nurse practitioners has, ha, have risen to that position of being in primary care. Wow. So we're going to switch now to, you know, I'm getting old and I, God. <laughs> You know, you wake up with a new pain every day. I, it's 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 just it's frightening. You know what what cracks me up about myself, and I and I think I can speak for a couple of my friends. If we get one little pain, we automatically think it's a death sentence, or we automatically think it's a heart attack, or we automatically think that we're having a stroke. I, I, it's yeah, it drives me crazy that I am at that mindset now. That any little thing. Like literally today I had heartburn and I thought I was having a heart attack. It, it just, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. So what, what do we need to start doing? What's some of the preventive health screenings that we need to start focusing on? Because we all are getting old and we know it. And we don't want to keep thinking that the little mistake is it's a death sentence. Yeah. yeah, that is so funny. And it's true. It's really <laughs> It, it, it what it is is just new sensations that you like you never felt before so it, I'm sure it can be weird, uh, concerning but I liked what you said about preventive health as opposed to say you never visited um, your your primary care yearly or every two years and you it's been four five six years and then mm -hmm. you start having this discomfort in your chest and you're thinking you are having a heart attack Run to the hospital or urgent care. They do a hundred tests on you. And then they say, look, we don't see anything. Um, and you're thinking, well, what's going on? Whereas because you do go see your primary care, you get preventive labs. Mm -hmm. We have discussion together about symptoms. Then we have a dialogue and say, you know what? I think you're having some acid reflux. Um, and as this starts to happen, must, are you having any chest discomfort? It can come out that way. Um, you can see those symptoms if it gets progresses worse. Now, instead of running to the ER and having 100 tests, you now know little by little, you know, this is an issue. Let me get ahead of this. Mm -hmm. Learn foods that trigger it um, so that you can get ahead of the game. So to answer your question is just to see and get labs done yearly. Um, stay connected with your primary care to know if there are things coming along the way that you can get ahead of before it just gets really big and you're thinking you're having a heart attack or something terrible's happened. I, I love I love what you just said about that. And and I think that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that uh, are not embracing preventive screenings. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're 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 literally thinking that you can, you know, you can you can screen yourself, you can self diagnose yourself mm -hmm. and you're literally dying. And and, and I, I I mean this is supposed to be a fun show, but my God I had someone who, who said, oh, I think I, you know, had something. I'm just going to take an aspirin. And I'm just like, oh, did that work? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to give you no advice, but did that work? I mean, she, I think she sprained her ankle or something or, or hurt her ankle, found out she broke it. You know, it's like, okay, just, just go to the hospital. Just go to a doctor and, and find <laughs> out, you know, and, and, and please, people, stop calling it sugar. It's called diabetes. It's not called sugar. 
<laughs> what, what, what is that? You're so... <laughs> it's not called sugar. It's called diabetes. And you, you guys need to check that because if you're getting dizzy after eating a plate of chitlins, you got some issues. <laughs> and you bring up a good point because by getting screening, even if you don't have any symptoms, we can see if your hemoglobin A1C, which is a diabetes screen, is starting to rise a little bit, starting to increase. Oh, wow. Say, you know what? You're kind of almost at that pre-diabetic stage. Let's talk about things you can do to prevent that from happening. Or say you do have acid reflux and you're taking a whole bunch of Pepsid or Prolisec, you know, those acid reducers. Over the years, we could say, you know what? Are you having any numbness or tingling? Do you know that these medications can over time affect your bone density? Um, let's check your vitamin D. Let's send you for a, a bone density screening so we can get ahead of it. So it is so important to be um, not reactive, but proactive with your health because you're so, you know, we're each so important and it's expensive when you yeah. have with it later. Yeah, exactly. And you just said something. So I think I'm going to come see you but for something because I have been taking, I mean, I, I had a gallbladder issue a long time ago, I had it removed and I was taking antacids and, you know, because certain foods I can't eat anymore and I know this, so I try to stay away from it. Right. And for some reason, I'm having, oh God, forgive, because everybody knows, if anybody knows me, I, they know I love coffee. But now I'm having an issue with coffee. And I am about to, like, literally kill myself because <laughs> I love coffee, but I'm having an issue with coffee now. Yeah. It's the caffeine. It, it just stimulates a lot of acid production. So, it, uh, it, it, sorry. We can certainly talk about that off air more, but yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> And the other thing about, you know, like we talked about, you said what's going on with turning 50 is, is that word menopause. Yeah. Menopausal. Our estrogen starts to reduce. And our estrogen is so important for lubricating our joints, Mm -hmm. our bones. So as that goes down, just like you said, you're going to notice, oh, man, why am I having these aches and pains? Mm -hmm. Uh, So those things happen. But the other thing that I, I really hope people understand is Generally, in a, an appointment, one of the things we ask is, tell me about any illnesses that your mother or your father has, aunt, right. uncle. There's such, it's like such a roadmap for you to see any changes that is going to happen or potentially high risk to happen. Now, listen, we're African-American. The risk for diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, it's, it's kind of a thing because genetically, we're just highly predisposed to that. Mm-hmm. But... You just, without knowing breast cancer, colon cancer, arthritis, acid reflux, um, sickle cell, uh, there's so many things. If we're unaware, um, I mean, we can certainly cope with it. That's why you go to your, you know, those visits and want to encourage you. But by knowing it if you can ask family members, it really does help a lot in terms of trying to focus in on what you specifically are at high risk for so women go through menopause you know that that in itself is just you know crime against nature but what do men go through like we're they're, we're going through all of this we're losing <laughs> lubrication we're losing this we're losing drive what are men going through i mean seriously what are they doing so funny <laughs> we have estrogen we also have testosterone oh not okay. as men do but we do have those so, but for men, their level of testosterone, and they, 
don't have a high level of estrogen, but their level of testosterone is very, very high in their, you know, of course, teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. As they get to about 50, 60, it does start to reduce mm. and controls prostate health. And that's when you, you know, he, as men get older, they start, if they urinate, then the stream slows down and then it waits and then it streams and then later it continues. So they have issues with um, enlarged prostate, increased, especially African-American men have a high incidence of prostate cancer. So they definitely, definitely should be screened um, yearly for sure because of that risk. It's the number one um, cancer for African-American men is prostate oh. Oh my God. Yeah, and you hear that guys, you know, this is not just for girls, it's for men, it's for boys too. You guys need to check that because yes. I do know that that is very important. I do know that a lot of guys, especially guys who um, are starting to take diabetes. I mean, I, this is what I've been hearing that it kind of affects the sex mm -hmm. drive a little. <laughs> Erectile dysfunction is very high with uncontrolled blood sugars for men. Very, very high. Oh my God. You hear that guys? Now I'm going to ask another question because this is all about, this is about weight loss. Osempic. What, what, what's going on with that? And, and can people over 50 take it? And is it covered by medical? I mean, give me that because I know a lot of people when they go through, especially women, when you go through menopause, we gain weight. And someone had sent me a question about Osempic or Wachovia. So I said, I'm going to ask her, I'm going to ask her, if we, if it's safe for women over 50 to, to take that, number one. Number two, why is it so bloody high? <laughs> <laughs> Someone is on a beach somewhere enjoying themselves. Um, okay. So, so Ozempic and Wegovy are the same medication. It's actually a hormone, but they're the same. Um, uh, they have the same ingredients. The difference is branding. So Zempec came out first, was used for um, diabetes. It, it certainly, it's an endocrine hormone. It's a hormone that normally our body creates. So we're, it's similar to, not similar to insulin, but it's a hormone, you know, insulin is something that we, for some people, they give themselves when they're deficient in it. So this particular home, hormone in, we go in uh, Ozempic, you would manually give yourself once a week. And by giving yourself this hormone, it increases, um, aspects of controlling blood sugar. So phreatic mm. output, uh, I don't want to get it and bore anybody, but the biggest one of the other things that people like is it, it increases your sense of feeling full. Okay. So it slows okay. your stomach from churning and emptying. So now you're fuller longer and you desire to eat food less because you're fuller. Right. So Zempic came out first. Um, of course, it started off to help control blood sugars, but then they realized you know, these people were using it were melting. They just were losing so much weight. So then everyone heard about it and they wanted it more. The demand reduced. The company realized insurances were saying, I'm not going to pay for um, this woman over here because she just wants to lose weight. She doesn't even have diabetes. So they they kept declining it. So oh. said, oh, you know what? I got something for them. I'm going to make the same product and call call it Wegovy and use it only for weight loss. So now Wegovy came out a little bit of higher dose because you have a better success rate of losing weight. Again, once a week, um, the, the dose increases. Uh, you need to talk to your provider about how to make that increase. But you would do that. And then you would, of course, lose weight. Why is it so expensive? Yeah. Because it's new. Okay. 
they put so much money into doing research and getting FDA approved, and they want their money back. So whenever new drugs, especially when they're in high demand, uh, come out, they then pump up the price so that, um, you know, it's, they get their money back plus, right. plus more being, like I said, someone's on the beach enjoying themselves right now, but that's why, because now they do have a limit. So if you give it about three to five years, the price will come down, but just FYI, that's. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now it's like, you know, the cost of a mortgage payment. So it's yeah. like, you know, you just be a fat girl and just live in a, a nice yeah. house. You know, I mean, just be a fat girl. Just be, just appreciate what you got. <laughs> now there's risk, of course. Yeah, so, what are the risks? So the risk is because you're giving yourself this hormone at, at higher doses than your body's normally making, the risk is for inflaming your pancreas. So you can get pancreas. Oh. Yes. Very, very serious. And um, also, if you have a family member with a medullary thyroid cancer, which is very, very rare, so a lot mm -hmm. of people fit in it, but the risk is that you can get cancer if someone in your family has had that and you take this medication, this wow. hormone replacement. So that is one of the first questions. And of course, you're monitored by your provider. So if you start to have any discomfort, you should stop it. And then, of course, your risk for both, you know, it reduces substantially. So, oh so god, it, it is very effective. I've I've used it a lot with my patients. Oh, oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, I, it, I, I don't remember getting a shot in my stomach by you. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that shot. No, let me stop. <laughs> I've used it, and it's been very helpful. You know what? I've had a couple people tell me they wanted to stop it. Interestingly enough, they were losing weight. Oh, but they felt, and again, everybody's different. So everyone's response is different. They said that they couldn't taste. It's not so much manually taste the food, but because they were so full, the desire to eat had reduced. And that was just, that was just depressing for them. So, I mean, think about it. Oh, wow. Some people, food is a thing, you know, yeah. you eat for stress, you eat for emotional comfort. Um, and so that person said, you know, I've lost my friend. And so <laughs> I want my friend back. And oh, so wow. they wanted, they men, they just told themselves they didn't want to take it anymore. So it, I guess the biggest point of sharing that is that, you know, you have to sit down and think about if I take this, what is it that you really want? You have mm -hmm. to look at the bigger picture of why we eat. Right. I mean, yeah. that's a part of it. One thing is not going to be the answer for everything. And, and, with, and this comes to my next question. As you get older, our mental health, is, is that becoming more of a priority? And, and I know in the Black community, we don't believe in oh, mental health or therapy. We just want to be crazy and act crazy. But, <laughs> I, you know, it's just, yeah. But I do. I embrace therapy. I, I know a lot of my friends embrace mm -hmm. therapy. But as we get older, you know, we come to think about a lot more than just you know, uh, are we, is our car going to start up, you know, oh, I'm going to lose my mind because you cut me off. There are a lot of other mental questions that as we get older. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, and this goes back to, like you said, what's happening as we turn 50. Yeah. Depression actually increases when those estrogen levels reduce with menopause. Oh, wow. And without us knowing that we're thinking there's something wrong with us, but it's just those hormonal changes. So that is definitely uh, irritability goes up, um, agitation, headaches increase. 
Now, not for everybody, but it's a possibility. And again, back to your getting preventive health mm-hmm. checked and screened um, is important. Um, but I'm very happy that we're coming out of the pandemic when we oh. isolated ourselves. That definitely helped. So now we have summertime. We can hopefully have our backyard picnics, you know, music, socialization. And like you said, you were with uh, a friend yesterday. I, too, was at a family picnic, picnic um, the first one for me in a couple of years. And it just it just boosted my energy so much just to be around family and friends. So. And just to dance again and just to laugh again with other people without a freaking mask. Mask. <laughs> I mean, you know, just to see somebody, just to give somebody a hug. I mean, I, I literally, I missed hugs. Yeah. During the pandemic, all, all I wanted to do was hug. I mean, I remember when it first started and I went to Safeway and I was trying to, you know, it, it, I was just so bummed out. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, I love it. I don't have to be around people. I literally hugged somebody at Safeway. I, I just had to hug somebody. <laughs> Did it you know? Cra- yeah, I knew the person and okay. they were, oh, give me a hug. I'm like, well, yeah, well, make sure you get masks on. But I did put a hug. I, I did hug her. But <laughs> that, that, you know, just to do that again, it's, yeah. it's just a maze. And, and, oh, I'm right. sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was like, I agree. I'm, I was just agreeing with you. I think that's awesome. So, so what about maintaining and improving cognitive health as we get older? Because, you know, that's another thing. And I know a lot of people, you know, the, like I was saying earlier, you know, you get a pain, you think you're dying. But what about cognitive health? Like, what if you start forgetting a lot and you, you then you, you, you know, you go to that dark tunnel of, oh, my God, now I have Alzheimer's. I mean, this is where we at when we get to 50. We, when we forget that we didn't pick up something out of the room. Oh, my God, I have Alzheimer's. I mean, what? We always go to the park as we find to. You were so silly. <laughs> so one of the things I definitely, I mean, even for myself, and I, I talk to my patients about is just sometimes we're just not eating like we should, right? Yeah. And so, and by doing that, we're not getting those nutrients that we should. So I would encourage people just to supplement. When you see those um, Prevacid and all those things, I mean, I'm not certainly promoting any of those, but basically those things are just, allowing your your body to to get nourishment that you may not be doing just by what you're eating having healthy healthy fats and um, avocados and things like that just to help promote good um, monosaccharide fats so those things are important but you know vitamin e vitamin d all those things again help with mental health and your um just your immune system to be able to combat and deal with um inflammation in your joints and swelling of vessels. So definitely want to reduce your smoking. That's a big deal. And again, asking a family member, does anybody in our family have Alzheimer's? Those things are because it is a genetic connection. So by being aware, you can maybe be a little bit more specific to you. No, I totally agree. I, I, I think that, you know, when you first go and you talk to uh, Cordelia or whoever, you tell them your family history, your background, because I do right. know that I have a background. Our, our family has a background of, of, of arthritis. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I fell, uh, you know, trying to, you know, power to the people and Black Lives Matter march, and I fell, it's like, geez, okay, I fell and now I got arthritis. I mean, but the doctor told me it was always there. It was dormant. Yeah. It just came out, just came yeah. up or whatever. So I, I think it's very important that, you know, when you do visit 
your MP that you, and that's, again, I go back to, this is why I love you because you take the time to, at, you, you like, you're literally pulling stuff out and I'm sitting there like a shy, well, not shy, but <laughs> I sit there and I'm like, I'm not going to tell everything. I ain't going to tell that I'm experiencing this and experience, but I love the fact that you guys dig in and want to get that information. Well, uh, I mean, it is really important. And, and, you know, I was thinking when you were talking, um, and I apologize, I didn't neglect, but it's it's one of those things that is kind of a, a easy fix. But I guess as we age, it's just kind of hard because I know for me, I just get tired. You know, at the end of the day, I don't like doing anything, but it's important to try to work on um, our physical health in terms of physical activity. Yeah. And you said you had arthritis. I, too. I remember waking up at like 48 and feeling like the tin woman. I was like, why do I <laughs> everything? Like it took me about a half an hour just to oil my joints. <laughs> and then I realized my mother had terrible arthritis and my father has even worse arthritis. So I yeah. said, you know what? I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this, but it was just accepting, acknowledging and going, okay, there's nothing really wrong with me, but I have to make a lifestyle change to, in order to, or, and just to be aware that this is happening, right? So yeah, I, more supplements that are anti-inflammatory, more garlics and ginger, turmeric, um, along with just on occasion, I'll take a Motrin when it gets really bad and stretching um, and creams, you know, the, like the biofreeze. So just little things like that can go a long way. Hydration. Ooh, if I drink a lot more water, half my body weight, if you drink half your body weight every day in ounces, I feel like a superwoman when I do that. But wow. of course, I got to pee every two minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, that, then there comes that. But still, yeah, there's a, just a trade off. But that's just my new normal. And now am I perfect with it? No. But at least I know and I think, OK, this will definitely help if I do that. If I have a little bit extra alcohol, that's going to not help. So at least I don't feel like there's something wrong with me, but I just make those lifestyle changes and I go, okay, great. Now I'm back on track. So it's, it's, we're not perfect with it, but I think knowledge is power. And then enacting that and practicing that and seeing these changes that help a little bit where I'm never going to feel like I did at 25. But if we at least are aware of these changes, it doesn't seem like it's so debilitating. We don't feel quite as old. I don't know. What about you? No, I love that was the that was the perfect takeaway to end the show. It's like everything that you just said and what you're in quote, because I write I'm writing it down. Garlic, turmeric, ginger, hydration. Um, absolutely right. I, I when I stretch, I feel a lot better. Absolutely. Um you know, when I get into a relationship ever, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get out the bed and go, oh, you know, you're gonna, I want to play it off and go, well, can you go get me some coffee? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I can stretch. <laughs> Cordelia Haynes, you have been amazed. You, you, you are, everything you said was so phenomenal. And I will put in the show notes, uh, her her information, her name and everything. If you ever want to look her up uh, as an NP, she has done phenomenal stuff for me. When I first met her, I told her, the first thing I told her was I want her on my podcast because I loved her spirit. I love what she was offering, what she was saying. And and she's cute. So, you know, that, and that's that. So <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm just, I'm so appreciative for all you do to the community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for uh, guys listening to the show and, uh, you know, 
take take heed on what she said because everything she said was, you know, it's about us and you guys know you need to take heed. So until then, take care. Hi, this is Juanita. And if you enjoyed today's show, like us, love us, and support us. We really do need the support right now because we are in season two and we would love, love to have you support this show. Uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell anybody that you know would appreciate hearing a show like this. Until then, you take care.